Hello, everyone, and welcome to DataFem, where we engage you with stories of how innovators across the globe are using data to achieve new heights in their respective industries. I'm Danielle, founder of Decayo Data, and I'm here with a panel of some very special guests from OntoText, who is kindly sponsoring this episode. I have Doug Kimball, OntoText CMO. I have Krasimira Bosanova, a solutions architect at OntoText, and Theodora Petkova, a content writer. And we're going to have a very interesting discussion about semantic layering and specifically knowledge graphs and how they make the data world tick. So get comfy, open your ears, and tune into our show. Well, I'm so happy to have all of you here. This panel is really exciting for me. And I know we've been talking some offline. So I want to fill my audience in on what Ontotex does. And I'm thinking that, Doug, you might be the best person to do that. Sure. Be happy to. So a quick introduction. Doug Kimball, the Chief Marketing Officer here at Ontotex. Been here just over a year. And I continue to learn who OntoText is and what we do on a regular basis. But uh, I'll try to keep it simple. Uh, we are a, a graph technology company. Uh, more specifically, we're a semantic knowledge graph technology. And uh, Crossy and Teddy will share much more what that means in, in depth. But uh, basically, it's a graph-based data model that represents information by connecting the things, basically. So it's a way of organizing data that emphasizes the relationships between things instead of just the things themselves. And by using AI and machine learning algorithms, we create connections between our data and we get new insights. And so that's what Autotext focuses on is developing these semantic knowledge graphs that allow people to, to use their data, all the data they have, whether it's structured data or unstructured data, uh, in the most effective process uh, possible. I am familiar with semantics and I know that, you know, semantics is definitely a buzzword going around the data industry. So it's going to really be cool to delve into how graphs relate to that. I'm going to turn it over to Crossy and Teddy to tell me how you got started with Ontotext and then we'll just dive into the meat of the discussion. Okay, thanks, Danielle. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Krasimira, Krasi for short. Uh, I have been at onto text for over eight years already, uh, working at the solutions division. Uh, so I've had the opportunity there to participate in a wide range of projects, working with uh, many different customers, many different problems. I am currently a solutions architect, which means uh, that I am involved in a project from its early scoping tasks, uh, pre-sales activities even, to basically its final delivery. Um, and I'm also often engaged in the support and maintenance aspect as well. 
basically need to understand client requirements, think about design, communicating with developers, and so on. Hi, I'm Teddy, Theodora for long. Um, I have been with On2Text as a freelancer for more than eight years to not only write content, but also reimagine new ways how content can be married with a knowledge graph. It's also linking data in a future-proof way. And I think there was a part in your question how I started at OntoText. It was eight years ago when um, one of their marketing managers found me uh, being the only writer that uh, ventures into the linked data talk. So that's a curious story again, how writing connects to link data. And nine years now later, here, here it is connecting life. I always say to people that data visualization is the best way to get started in data science because it gives you something tangible to look at and say, wow, look what I just produced. That dopamine, that um, satisfaction keeps you going to learn the next thing. Did any or all of you start with like Tableau or Power BI or data visualization as a specialty before you got into knowledge graphs specifically? For myself, absolutely not. <laughs> I got uh, in the knowledge graphs thing through words. But yes, I agree that that data visualization is a cool entry point to be able to communicate the value and and the coolness of knowledge graphs. That's uh, it's parallel to like a mind map, how we think through semantic networks, and then how these semantic networks can be mapped with data points. Now more than ever, people are visual learners. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, I'm I'm more of a I learn by doing, but a lot of the people that I tutor and teach will be self-prescribed visual learners. What is the best way to describe a knowledge graph and how its function fits internally first, like to management? Um, how do you communicate the value of data using a knowledge graph that you might not be able to otherwise? To play off of what Teddy was just saying, mind maps was on my, you know, on my my mind as well. And I've always loved mind maps because of the way they do allow people to create those visualizations of connections of, at that time, I considered it information. Now I look at it from a data standpoint. So when I saw how we use some of our visualization uh, processes to, to show what a knowledge graph looks like, uh, that was really exciting to me because it's so cool to be able to have a vision of here's how all these pieces fit together. So to take the second half of your, your question, one of the ways, because I'm a very visual, creative, and sometimes crazy thinker, I've used Lego as an example to help uh, articulate what a knowledge graph uh, is and can do, because Lego creations can be conceptualized as a graph. You know, you got your nodes that are, are bricks and edges, and sorry, bricks, sorry, your, your edges represent the connections between their bridges, the bricks. Nodes hold information like the kind of brick, the orientation, the color. Edges talk about how you connect those bricks together. So depending on who you're talking to, if it's a business kind of person, sometimes they'll use that as a, as a story 
to help explain that you know you've got a set number of pieces of data how they how they should be connecting give your unstructured data pull it all together uh sometimes you'll get people nodding their heads if i'm talking to a heavy duty technical person they look at me like i've lost my mind but that's why i've got smarter people than me like like crossy and and teddy to add their perspectives from my perspective knowledge graphs is really like the way to mirror someone's mind so someone's knowledge uh, about um, their domain uh, in a flexible and also a, a way that really represents context really well um, and also have this um, easily extensible system that can incorporate new knowledge in a connected manner. So uh, it helps information to stay connected. It prevents data silos. And to me, really, the knowledge graph is like a very natural representation of the way that humans think and the way that humans see the world. I think knowledge graphs are a very good fit for representing real world concepts, such as, let's say, people, objects. Um, they are a very good fit for applications such as uh, digital twins, for example, where the goal is to create a digital representation of a real world ecosystem. They have a wide range of applications in uh, publishing uh, and in all kinds of uh, domains where clients have a, a large amount of data of unstructured content, unstructured text that they need to extract uh, sense and meaning from um, and to me maybe I'm biased uh, from uh, all, the, all the experience that I have but it's really the natural way to think about uh, the world that surrounds us. Exactly what Krasi said but not only mirror I want to add here the idea of reimagine and also it does mirror the mind and what Krasi said is what we're doing with knowledge graphs, but there's also the perspective of knowledge graphs being like a catalyst for new ways of thinking about information, new ways of navigating it, more intuitive access to content, and let's be bold to uh, knowledge. So I like to think about knowledge graphs as curiosity cabinets, meaning you, yes, you do put uh, different things there, but you also can explore and the people after you can explore these things in unpredicted ways, in unimagined ways, which you can imagine this uh, kind of explodes the knowledge graph into something that is bigger than we can think of. You're talking about knowledge graphs as, you know, making people think in a different way, you know, opening up those channels. But if it already mirrors the human mind, can you give some examples of how it can be intuitive to kind of mirror what the human mind already does while also challenging the human mind to open up? Like, what are some examples of how a knowledge graph can build on that language that our brains naturally speak and uh, make us speak in different ways. Here, maybe we should also say that we're talking about knowledge graphs built with linked data, with semantic technology. And this is um, a different 
type of knowledge graphs, which we would call future proof, just because they're made of uh, standardized data. So um, the idea of the semantic web and semantic technologies is that you can, you create your stuff, you link your data for unknown uses. For example, a public organization uh, publishes data for crosswalks. Then another organization publishes data about schools. And when you get all that data interlinked, you might think of an application where you, based on your estimated time to get to a school safely, you would choose this and this school. Would that be a clear example? That's a wonderful example. That really illustrates what both Krasi and you were saying. You're making these connections that you might not make as efficiently without that visual linkage. Um, yeah, without the layering. Maybe the, the keyword here would be layering. When you have one layer and then you get another layer and you get that rich uh, picture of what's, what is something depending on different contexts. Imagine you can pull contexts to, for your data from different places. Yes. Before we get into more questions about your team, since we have three of you here, um, it's a great opportunity to talk about cross-functional teams. I do want to ask about how you've experienced knowledge graphs producing more effective results with your customers. I know that we talked a little bit about internal and now I want to turn the focus external and narratives are definitely welcome. Yeah, I'll jump into that one and then uh, across you've got plenty of examples you could share but one of the ones I like to talk the most about is one we did with a, a just a large media company who had you know, they had the typical data problem. They had tons of different types of data, lots of different places, you know, structured, unstructured, different kinds of files. And they were not being very efficient in able to, being able to both satisfy the users of that, but also get the output into other people's hands. So by using the Anthetex knowledge graph of GraphDB, they brought all these assets together in a fashion that allowed them to use and find them and serve up their users more effectively. One of the easy things we say is they actually had a 30% data management savings cost. So if you look at the cost to run a data center, to manage the people, et cetera, et cetera, that was just an easy example of the value of using the interconnections of a knowledge graph to drive uh, opportunity. Yeah, many, many examples of uh, basically where knowledge graphs, thanks to all these data connectedness uh, and um representation of data uh, they enable various customers to discover new relations that they uh, didn't imagine exist they uh, enable a lot of our customers to have better content understanding of the content they're producing content structuring we have a client uh, a large uh, media publishing client uh, a different one than the one that they've mentioned uh, where we have really contributed to uh, providing relevant content recommendations to their users, 
uh, as we've used the connections in the knowledge graph and the contextual understanding in there to actually be able to understand the preferences of their users and the meaning inside their content better so that we can um, provide more relevant recommendations to the users, more personalized, um, retain user engagement, uh, etc. And uh, knowledge graphs are really a powerful foundation for various uh, projects that include machine learning uh, to basically automate with a higher precision, higher accuracy, uh, various operations that were previously uh, done manually uh, by a large number of people. Um, and this really enables our clients to actually focus on the actions that bring the most value to them. So we save them the trouble of executing manually things that could be easily automated by having this uh, knowledge graph representation underneath. Do you ever run into companies who aren't using knowledge graphs for semantics? Um, and if you run into these companies, I guess, what do you notice that's missing um, in their results that you have? Yeah, certainly we do. Usually such kind of, uh, such kind of organizations uh, come to us uh, with a request for help as uh, they have a lot of uh, department internally often that produce a lot of a lot of data, which is not well connected uh, and is isolated. So this prevents them to actually bring value from uh, what they do. And what we help with is uh, with uh, such kind of um, data fabric techniques to actually integrate data from the various departments so that they can really um, they can really benefit uh, from their domain experience. It's uh, like a fine line uh, because knowledge graphs actually require some uh, investment uh, on the client side uh, to build and to maintain. But the value of uh, what is saved uh, in terms of uh, integration effort and uh, lost uh, communication uh, is uh, often often much greater. Let's turn the focus on you guys and your team. And when you have teams that, I guess, have different agendas and different goals, how do you align the objectives it truly comes down to asking the right questions. That's how I look at this, Daniel, is that when we're talking to, you know, either the business users or the technology users is understanding what it is they're trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, I think Crosby said it very well, is that you know, it, knowledge graphs take a lot of effort to put in place. No, no question about that. Uh, but then you have to ask the, the question, what is the value? Well, why is somebody coming to us with the need for semantic graph uh, technologies. And they're not always coming to us asking about a graph, they're coming to us asking about challenges they're having with their data. So uh, what we found usually most effective is just asking those questions. What is it we're trying to, to help you to solve for? And then asking the second level questions. So if we solve these problems in the data side, et cetera, et cetera, what other insights, opportunities, needs can you uncover? You, and Crossy mentioned digital twins is a great example. Uh, if we do help you to develop a digital twin, what are you trying to solve for from there? What kind of insights are you trying to get? So that's just, that's my, 
my perspective, but I'd love to hear from Teddy and Crossy. I would pick on the on the idea of why, you know, but first let me say that it's not about ironing out the different vocabularies between teams. It's rather being able to use the friction. For example, take for example our internal project called Onto Text Knowledge Graph, where we build a knowledge graph out of marketing content. So imagine a department which is by default messy with all the good things about messiness, meaning marketing is creative. We we do have a different mode of thinking. And now we are to combine our agenda and align it with, with um, our product team um, or solutions team where um, the developers there would need more clarity. They need uh, specific instructions. They need to know exactly what we want. And I was thinking before our podcast, okay, how do you kind of marry the dynamics? And I think you shouldn't. I think that's a good dynamics, which uh, one must find innovation cracks in it. And speaking of data science and bridging teams, it looks like that collision between formal knowledge and some kind of messy knowledge is fruitful. And the good news is that a knowledge graph being such a, an interesting and versatile system can encompass such diversity. You know, this isn't the first time you've said messy knowledge. And so <laughs> I want to I want to um, have you elaborate on that term and what you mean by that, um, because <laughs> the first time, you know, off off this recording, when we um, when you mentioned that I was intrigued and I'm still intrigued. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have a talent for finding what's alive. Uh, in a person when they talk messy knowledge yes that's uh, that's a thing I'm thinking about a lot this is again related to the fact that we are complex beings and we don't know many of the things that we do we discover meaning our knowledge about something starts with us not knowing Again, going too philosophical maybe, but um, when you want to understand something, when you want to gain knowledge, you start by not knowing. So the, the challenge here is, okay, I don't know where this will go, but can you help me build something and I will figure out how to use it? I like your using the term messy knowledge because when we think of messy or when I think of messy, I think of, you know, a flaw, whereas, you know, now you've kind of inspired me to reframe it as just a part of the process and a part of the journey of understanding. Mm, yeah, I, I think I stole that from Seth Godin's uh, work where he said, where he says that uh, marketing is by default messy and the new marketing is um, like turning into a conversation rather than pitching etc 
And knowledge graphs are kind of the backbone of such a mindset. It's a shift not only in the technology, it's a shift in, in the mindset, how we access information, yes. And then how do we make uh, messy, creative marketing work out of what Krasi uh, built with such a rigor? Our collaboration was also a beautiful thing. She's very good at listening to uh, our messy thoughts. For example, hey, I want that page where it shows um, some categories and then uh, you can hover over uh, this author and you can see a tree of what they know about and this is the beginning of knowledge marketing and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Krasi is able to boil that down and write that down into specific instructions for people to follow and build. So from my perspective, uh, like the, the main uh, challenges of um, working in a cross-functional team uh, is the fact that we, you have many different stakeholders, everyone having uh, different priorities and different different desires. And the fact that we really speak different languages it's uh, very, very important to take the time to listen. It has been uh, really inspiring to me, uh, actually working with Teddy and uh, her team. Often I think that, okay, uh, we have this problem. We we've solved this problem many times. I'll just proceed by, uh, you know, applying the standard, the standard decisions, uh, standard uh, techniques for this kind of problem. And then... Teddy comes uh, with this crazy sounding idea, which I am okay. This actually makes sense. Uh, so this is one of the projects that I've worked when uh, that I've worked in with like the highest rate of innovation in it. And I really think that this comes from the fact that we are so close to the end users, which are the marketing team um, at Ontotext in our case. And uh, this is really inspiring for us uh, and brings a very nice vibe uh, where uh, we like get the satisfaction of actually seeing how what we produce brings direct value to our colleagues. Everything you're saying is a perfect transition into what I wanted to ask you about soft skills. We're in a very technical environment here. Um, I know, Teddy, you might have a lot to say about this already because you came from a writing background. But when we're looking at knowledge graphs, when we're, you know, deep into the biggest trends of the tech industry, where do soft skills and even specifically your soft skills play a role and what have you noticed? The coolest question of the year, soft skills. These are the only skills I have. Where they play a role? Again, innovation. Throughout my work as a content writer and um, writing blog posts for Onto Text, I was able to talk to the so-called subject matter experts where I talk to them and kind of pick their brain and write. Now... This is where our data people, as Krasi mentioned, are learning to pick our, again, messy brains to find new ways 
for building cool things with knowledge graphs. And to back to your question about how, okay, but how would the knowledge graph um, ignite new thinking? It was just yesterday that, that uh, we were discussing the integration between the knowledge graph and our website. And Krasi asked the very valid question, okay, but what search do you imagine? And me and my colleague uh, from the marketing department thought, all right, now we're not limited to that box, to that search box on a website. Hey, we're in the position of using a super rich tool to reimagine search on our website. And again, the soft skills here are, yes, we know stuff, but yes, we don't know a lot of things and we should be with ears wide open to hear other perspectives. Sometimes you are not ready to hear the other. You have to have the capacity to change your mind. And this is not easy a task. So yeah, a soft skill would be empathy and then ability to listen to the other and ability to say, hey, I'm wrong. Do you think it's easier to get people to admit that they might be wrong or that there's a hole in their thinking when you lay out, I guess, the process in a knowledge graph? Like, are there ever holes where you have to underline or circle and say, this is missing? That's a great question. And this is actually what Krasi does because she's always uh, kind of insisting and standing behind the idea. We need to build something and see what will happen before we uh, theorize or conceptualize too much, which I tend to overdo. So I, I will be happy to hear Krasi on that. Yeah, well, we as developers are basically uh, often inclined to overthink the stuff um, and we want to have clarity of what we're trying to achieve. Um, but with this project, uh, what is interesting uh, is that we don't actually know what we want to achieve so it's a learning process for both ends and I think it's very valuable to keep the canvas open to new ideas and to not like limit ourselves with um, like applying standard methodologies and stuff because this is this is what what I I am afraid would kill this vibe and the spirit that we have of uh, really contributing innovating, and I think that if we want to achieve something that is actually usable, if we want to make our users, our marketing colleagues actually use what we built with. Um, with enthusiasm, then we really need to listen to them and to listen to their feedback. So that's why we try to work in um, small portions and deliver as fast as possible what we build to them, uh, hear their feedback, and then um, and then proceed with the further development. We had a knowledge graph forum recently, and there was a panel of experts who were talking about strategies, how to kind of implement knowledge graphs uh, the easiest way. The easiest way is give the graph to the people. 
don't uh, wait until you build it to be perfect. Just give that thing to the people and they will themselves see that it's so intuitive to work with linked data. Our minds are kind of used to legacy siloed data and working in boxes, which is not cool. This needs to change and it's not that hard to change. People themselves fall in love with that interconnectedness when they touch it, even on a small scale. Or even when it's still messy. I love what you just said, (laughs) giving it to them at a stage where traditionally our culture is just like, it has to be perfect. But it's interesting that like giving it to them sooner, even when it might not be the perfect polished product that you want, ultimately that's part of the selling. That's inherent in semantic technology. It's extensible and it's easy to extend. It's easy to change. You just play, crunch data, wrangle it, and you don't have to have that closed world world assumption where everything is has to be defined. You can go on forever adding layers of understandings. Yeah, I think that also opens up the door for early workshopping with people instead of this idea that you have to come to your meeting just presenting um, and not being willing to budge and that everything is, you know, a streamlined negotiation. Doug, I want to use your knowledge of, you know, how the team works as a resource here and give you the moderating mic. I'd be happy. I've been very fortunate to have a great team. And, you know, I mean, Teddy's on my team directly. Karazi's you know, a part of the team overall. It That's one of the things that's been so good about this is they're helping me to learn. I mean, I get to be sometimes the voice of the company as, you know, as CMO and get out there. I couldn't do it without having Teddy and Crossy and many other people behind me. So um, I just want to make sure I call that out. It's a lot of a lot of solid assets to be strong. One of the things I want to come back to was something that Teddy was touching on and that she and I have been having initial brainstorms around. And you talk about messy data and finding data and learning. Uh, one of the things I've been postulating as an idea for us to talk about, you know, as a focus is on semantics is, you know, we, we as a society now have instant access to information anytime we want it. Push a button, I get a question answered. But one of the things I have been seeing for a while is that people are getting the answers when they're not learning because they don't take the time to go read through an encyclopedia or a book to find the answers. They just get the answer. And so they miss out on all the context, all the semantics that explain what that answer means. And that's the reason I bring that up is I think that it's one of the very big values of a knowledge graph again, is that, you know, you, you start with this messy data. And I, I go back to my Lego as an example of that, you know, you hand a kid, a pile of, or me, a pile of Legos, it's, it's messy, it's messy data, it's messy information, but because of the ability to make all those different connections and to use the imagination and to use the knowledge somebody has gained before, that's what, you know, bringing this messy data together is so uh, valuable. So there's a lot of ways that, you know, we as a, as teams have been collaborating both to solve problems, to educate each other, to educate and support our clients. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify each individual piece of that. One of the things that I always, 
find fascinating and I love how Crossy put it is, you know, she's got the very product centric mindset and Teddy has the, the creative mindset, bring those together. What is one of the biggest things that you have taken away from this partnership that the two of you have? Because I've seen it in action. I've heard you present before. What one big learning could both of you say, aha, I wish I would have known this a year ago when I first started working with Teddy or with Crossy. My learning is that uh, people, um, not always people understand the ambiguity of words. And sometimes there are talks that you don't you you shouldn't be ambiguous and you should spare them some soul searching and just get straight to the point. And another thing is when you're when people don't understand you, maybe you didn't do your homework well and you didn't do a your inner dialogues to understand what you really want b you didn't go through enough people in the organization to 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 talk your talk so that you get a refined vision of what is it that you want for me i think uh the biggest lesson uh, that i've learned is that collaboration is key and uh, patient listening, as I said, and the best way to engage people and to make them excited really is to bring value to them, uh, to bring value to the table and to, to really show how their problems could be solved uh, with with technology. We as developers often tend to uh, dive deep into technical issues, uh, which are rarely uh, visible to end users uh, in terms of value. Uh, what I liked uh, most with the collaboration uh, in, in the collaboration with Teddy is that uh, she really helps us to identify quickly the most valuable items on which we should focus. Teddy, you got a question or a great comment, I'm sure. Yeah, I want to get back to Messi because I have a metaphor that is chasing me and I want to share it. Imagine there was a, a visual where there was a part of tree with leaves and then there was that same tree sliced and diced and ordered quotes. You know, you can order seven brown leaves, eight yellow leaves, but that's not an autumn tree i mean you yes order that understand how to feed your systems with that but then forget about that structure and go creative so that you fulfill the why of your knowledge graph because the why of your knowledge graph is not having these leaves sliced and diced it's having someone experience better the leaves I want to turn this a little bit more global. Where do you see this whole big boom about semantics? Where do you see that continuing within the larger data and tech industries? And how can we prevent semantics from becoming just another buzzword that people cheapen and make sure that the evolution stays wholesome and full of the substance that we've been discussing? 
you're asking the wrong person about when semantics will not or will be a buzzword. It's for it's not a buzzword. It's a proof way of future proofing your data first and then looking into new ways of marketing. I see these knowledge graphs, example, Google's knowledge graph and all the open knowledge graphs around the web. I see that convergence between enterprise knowledge graphs and then open knowledge graphs exploding into creative ways of using and interacting with data. I can add to that that um, in terms of the future of semantics and knowledge graphs, I think that with the boom of large language models uh, in the recent months, uh, year, semantics and knowledge graphs become even more essential technology as in order to make actual sense and use of the output of such large, large language models, you need to actually link them to your world, to your domain. And uh, really our efforts in the last months uh, are heavily focused into how to make a large, a large language models actually usable to enable them to talk to your data uh, with the help of integration with knowledge graphs and also to address their major limitations in terms of uh, quality issues and hallucinations with the help of knowledge graphs, uh, which are able to match and show to the users where a certain piece of information comes from, um, from the large language model response. So we are really um, investing into developing this technology so that it's um, really good integrated in the way that you can also uh, involve human in the loop to actually uh, control uh, the output of the data so that it's really uh, it really provides the quality that is essential for it to be actually usable. Large language models, although they are very exciting, they cannot at this point be used for applications such as medical uh, use cases where you really need a very good accuracy of the output result. Users, users really need to understand where the data that large language model produce come from. And this is where uh, we think the future of uh, knowledge graphs will be. It's very cool that you mentioned medical because our next episode together is focused a little bit on that. I want to do a round robin, maybe um, any last thoughts? We covered a lot of stuff and I'm very happy with that. One of my um, major... I guess, indicators of a good episode is when I have several titles or potential titles written down. <laughs> I definitely have that. Anything that you want to say that we haven't said yet, please enlighten me. To me, really, uh, working in a cross, cross-functional team has been a very, a very interesting challenge. Um, and... I've learned. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned that um, listening to people with a different mindset can be actually very, very wide opening in a lot of cases. And we, as a team, really improved. I believe 
uh, a lot of our uh, working working practices we really learned to how to prioritize how to take our stakeholders and their desires into consideration but without actually tampering with our day-to-day work uh, which has been really challenging it has been a great opportunity uh, and i am personally very excited for uh, yeah what would come next i would wrap up with the idea of knowledge management and the idea that data and data people need more messy people to talk to so that we together build smarter and you know deeper ways of navigating information and knowledge there's a lot of great things already said so i'm going to just keep it short that that with with the semantics supporting the knowledge graph that both Teddy and Krasi have talked about, you're able to to assign the meaning, to grab the meaning, and then you can bring those different data sources together. And by doing that, not only do you, you know, you solve an existing problem, but you have a lot more ability to solve more problems, to do more than just a single project. You've got new ways of looking at and analyzing and understanding your data which is powered by that whole process of the, the semantic knowledge graph. You got two very smart people there telling me some good stuff that I'm just helping to, to share. All of you are very smart, very insightful. I think um, this idea of messiness also is synonymous with authenticity, like, you know, showing up with, I guess, the full potential for a solution, which can appear as messy to I suppose judgy people, but we are not we are not those people. And I think allowing our data to be messy to some extent really breeds that kind of authenticity that's missing from the work culture. So I I really thank you for illuminating that. I think um that's a wonderful takeaway. And as for my listeners with your takeaways, I would love to hear them. There are so many sound bites as we call it in journalism from each of my guests on this episode that really really stuck with me i want to know what sticks with you so please get vocal on linkedin when you see this episode post this is the last episode of data for 2023 but we will actually be starting out 2024 with an episode with onto text as well that will delve into healthcare data in perfect timing to correspond with all of our fitness related new year's resolutions and i can't wait to connect again in the new year have a very very happy holiday You never